Hi, welcome to The School Run. I'm Jane. And I'm Liv. And we are going to share with you the best conversations we have on our school run. We will invite guests and debate topics that affect and resonate with every generation. We all remember our own school run. So maybe have a think about yours. What do you remember? Hello and welcome to another episode of the School Run Podcast. We are so privileged to be in this position, my 16-year-old daughter and I, talking to the most amazing people, helping to inspire and empower young people, that you don't have to have it all figured out at school. And actually, every day is a school day, so we can all learn something. Olivia and I started this in February 2023. It was a brainchild of ours on one of our very many school runs together, which was a very long journey from Leyland to Clitheroe in Lancashire, an hour and a half. And we had amazing chats. So we just decided to put those onto a podcast and to invite people on our school run chats with us. So Liv, how are you feeling about this episode? I'm excited. I think just because I recently... I think people understand it, obviously, when they listen to the episode. But I recently did a speech in front of 400 people, and it was very scared. My old high school asked me back to do a speech about my journey through school and how we started the podcast and everything. So I was very, very nervous, um, which is why I'm excited for this episode. And people don't understand yet, but they will do by the end. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, we're actually sat here with, we don't record on the school run in the car. We do record with a mic in a stationary place, but we're, we're here with the wonderful Penny Haslam. Penny is MD of Bit Famous. She helps to she helps people to communicate with confidence through training, coaching and speaking at events. Penny is a former BBC business journalist and TV presenter, mum to Daisy, stepmom to Isabel and married to Steve. And we're surrounded by her wonderful animals too here. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Welcome, Penny. Thank you for joining us on the school it's run. It's a pleasure. I honestly thought we were going to be on a school run, and I'm really happy that safety has come first. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like a BBC announcement, isn't it? Yeah. This podcast was not recorded in a moving vehicle. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I just to give a little bit of background to our listeners. I met Penny when she was at the Professional Speakers Association presenting. I was blown away. I learnt so much. I was put in the hot seat as a panel member on one of your um, sort of, I suppose, coaching us on how to sit on a panel. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Rachel Haslam, uh, my very good friend, your very good friend. And she said... She's also been on a guest. She has been a guest on our podcast, Director of Awesomeness, episode six, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So we we were put in touch and you said you'd love to come on the podcast. So thank you for that. I'll just caveat that I'm not a relation of Rachel Haslam. But it's amazing that we've got the same surname and we also fell in love with each other the minute we saw each other and went, all right. You know what I mean? When you meet someone, you go, you're going to be my mate. Yeah, yeah. you're on the same yeah. vibe. <laughs> and immediately you're in my tribe. Yeah, that kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Penny, where do we start with your fa- fascinating story and journey? Where do you want to start? I mean, are we starting about what I do now? What my journey's been? Are we talking emotions and feelings? Are we talking CV style? How do you want to roll this? Because there's a lot to say and I can talk. <laughs> and we've so, only got 45 minutes. we've only minutes. got a short amount of time. So, um, okay. Let's... I think I think we'd start with, uh, I'm thinking about the young people listening to okay. this episode and thinking, you know, they're at school and they're thinking, maybe I'm going to choose journalism. Maybe I want to be on the TV. You know, how did that happen for you? And what was that 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 journey to the BBC? Journey to the BBC was from a very um, low base. So when I, what I mean by that is um, a lot of people in the media have got qualifications like journalism, media studies, uh, degrees, um, print journalism, broadcast journalism, you name it. I didn't have that. I left a very broad-based degree at Sheffield Hallam, uh, 
I was at Sheffield University in the same city as you. Yeah, I was at Sheffield Hallam University, which was <laughs> meant to be the Polytechnic when I turned up. And then it turned into Sheffield Hallam University mm-hmm. and got quite um, academic in its nature. I was hoping that my degree would be journalism and recording and video production and copywriting and real practical stuff. Uh, but it turned into quite a cultural studies, philosophy, mm-hmm. um, women's studies, that sort of thing, which was awesome but didn't really deliver me into the world of work in the way that I wanted it to. So it was what it was. Um, I'm in Sheffield. It's 1993. It's a mini recession going on. And I'm not sure if you if the Star newspaper in Sheffield is still running, but it was the only place you could find a job. Um, that and the job centres. And it was, whoa, tonight we've got 99 jobs, most of which were HGV drivers. And so I'm thinking, okay, I've got this communication studies degree. I've done well in it, but I can't get a job. And I was temping a lot. I was doing a lot of clerical work, a lot of secretarial work. And I hated being in an office and I hated doing work, which didn't feel like it had any purpose. And as a result of those things, I I got, I lost my confidence and you know what you think when you're younger um you've either got confidence or you don't um and it's something that you have or you don't have and and you're born with it or you're not but it's it's not the case I felt quite confident when I went into university and when I came out the other side it, it was eroded quite substantially um not helped by the economic environment at the time and guess what Sheffield didn't have that many media jobs that back then weirdly and and I was too underconfident to move to London straight away I didn't have enough money and uh you know banker mum and dad wasn't forthcoming and and so it took me a while it took me a couple of years and a mate of mine had already moved down to London and she'd got a job as a secretary in the arm of the BBC which made all the books and the magazines and the videos so not the main bit not on telly, not yet. <laughs> that comes later. Um, and she went, you've got to move down. There are loads of jobs and I've got a flat. You can sleep on our sofa and we'll work it out. I'm like, right, boom, pack my bag. Go on the Friday. I get a job on the Monday as a secretary in the department that sells all the videos, Only Fools and Horses, Noddy, okay. to the overseas market. So I couldn't be further away from a glamorous career <laughs> on the TV, on the, the television. <laughs> but I had kind of put to bed a lot of my dreams and a lot of my ambition that I instinctively felt to be a communicator, to be a show off, to be fun. And I'd put all of that away in a box because I'd lost my confidence. And I pretended that that wasn't something I wanted necessarily. And I think those couple of things mixed together made my journey to what I ended up doing a lot longer and a lot slower than had I had a a good support system around me and um, a feeling that I could do it. Feeling of self-belief. Oh, I had no self-belief. I wasn't racked with self-doubt. I wasn't biting my nails in a classic kind of, ooh, what am I doing? I wasn't a wallflower. So the two things didn't really stack up for me. I couldn't accept that I didn't have the self-belief. And back in the 90s, Liv, no one talked about self-belief or confidence or self-esteem or well-being or anxiety or stress. No, no, no. You were either happy or you were sad. And if you were sad... Stop crying, what's wrong with you, right? Okay, she get on with it. Also, I'm from the North. So, <laughs> of course. Of course. So, there was none of that self reflection that is sort of quite common these days, yeah. I think, and accessible to people. Yeah. You know, you can, it's, it's more accessible, isn't it, to be, or more, ex, more acceptable mm. to have a bit of a self awareness, even. So, anyway, there I am. I've got this temporary job at the BBC. I then get another job, but it's a permanent one, and it's in Broadcasting House, and it's operating as a clerk. So I'm literally shuffling bits of paper around a desk and thinking, where's the glamour? <laughs> right. Nonetheless, the glamour comes eventually because I've poked about, I've been nosy, I've said hello to various been people. Been curious. Been curious, ask people nervously. It wasn't like I was like, hey, can you show me how a researcher's job works, please? It's like, um, six months after deciding I was going to do it, um, could you please, uh, would it be all right if um, I just watched you do your work for five minutes? Yeah, yeah, come on in. So I did a lot of what we call in the BBC shadowing, a lot of following other people around. Um, 
watching radio people in the studio, watching presenters in the studio, absorbing it really. And finally got a breakthrough. Yeah, right. Amazing. <laughs> it was an amazing break. I got a job as a broadcast assistant, grade three, which was the lowest, which meant you got to make tea and print scripts. <laughs> but I was one step closer to the studio, to the glamour, to the excitement. And the brilliant thing about it was it landed me as a job in a journalism department. It was business journalism. And for the first time ever, I went, oh, right, journalism. Now, I grew up in a household that took a daily newspaper, broadsheet newspaper, and it also watched the news. We knew that people worked in journalism, but it was not for us. It was not something that you would ever think of yourself. It wasn't like an entitled position. I didn't think of myself as ever being that person. So that was another sort of challenge to overcome, really, was thinking of it being my rightful place. And the BBC at the time, I don't know if it is still like this, was very much full of Oxbridge types. Um, Male-dominated? Yeah. Heavily male-dominated? Heavily male-dominated, full of managers and editors who had been promoted probably above their ability. And, And what I knew of it was that they weren't particularly supportive so if I go to somebody like my boss and go hey I've done this recording I've made this report in my own time you know using common sense I didn't have training in this department uh, in this field using common sense and asking people for help and getting on and recording it and go would you like could you please listen to it he'd put it on the pile and go hmm so it was just barriers all the time I felt and could have been incredibly demotivating for you to walk away from that situation Mm. rather than keep going back yes and I think this is where maybe personality traits kick in where you might one person might be demoted by something another person might be galvanized and might be motivated by that situation I'm going to show you you bugger oh that would be me don't yeah (laughs) so you hear that right yeah oh you bugger you've not played my piece or you've not listened to it right I'm just going to do another one (laughs) and you will next time and you will next time and so that happened and I I got my strike and I have to honestly thank this wonderful colleague um called Chris Accord who was a journalist a business journalist um in the department, we used to make a Radio 5 Live uh, segment every day called Money Check. It's all about the markets and about, you know, all sorts of different stories in the business world. And on the Friday, we had um, this really, really cheesy section where somebody would record the mu- uh, to music the mortgage rates and the savings rates of the week. So the top three mortgage rates, the top three picks. of, the, And so it'd be a cheesy script like, and Sainsbury's Bank are offering 3.9% on ISIS. Get your trolley on that. Dash down the aisle, you know. And it was a, it was a, and it was like, and TSB are offering these savers, these so totally cheese on a stick and totally up my street and all of a sudden I could see myself doing it and he went Penny it's going to be your chance this Friday write yourself some scripts go down to the studio record it and we'll play it out on air and I was hooked ever since of of live broadcasting it was a real buzz so I would say that I went from secretary to this situation over a three or four year period I earned my stripes and then from that I was able to get more of a hook into becoming a researcher and then a producer, radio producer, and then a senior producer, senior journalist, always picking up along the way, keeping my ears open, asking people how things worked, working it out on my own. You know, you don't want to bother people too much. That's Mm. a real skill is asking once, not many, many times. Using initiative, showing those soft skills almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And battling through people who aren't always going to champion you. And it's very easy as a girl at school to pass. You put your head down, you do the work, you pass your GCSEs, you pass your A-levels. At degree level, there are more girls going into doing university degrees now than there are boys. More girls passing at better grades than boys. And guess what? At the workplace, it's the opposite. 
So do not put your head down. Do not do all the work. Just make sure you build a network. And that's really part of a skill that is possibly, you know, if you don't have that, you're quite held back. And I think there's a generation that don't like using the phone don't like talking to people face to face necessarily quite reluctant I'm not surprised you know not only are we the kind of say we you (laughs) (laughs) I'm really not tech generation digital toddlers and all that have grown up with the heads in phones and on pads and whatnot and there's been the whole lockdown pandemic problem where you're stuffed into your childhood bedroom for for years at a time. See, seems like it. 100%. And then all of a sudden you're expected to have conversations in meetings with grown-ups and you're going to absolutely crap yourself, aren't you? Yeah. You I mean, I crap myself anyway when I, mean, I was at work. We this yesterday, didn't we, about your, um, some of your friends that won't ask the bus driver for a ticket. Yes. You live, you do it, you do it, you do it. Mm. You know, just really day-to-day things. Yeah. And what you're saying is that leap between university and working head down to workplace is going to be enormous unless you push those comfort zones earlier. Yeah. And, and, and you know, in, on the plus side, if you have got um, a skill in that department or you don't mind having a conversation with people, doing eye contact, no. that sort of thing, then it can really stand you in good stead and you can, you know, stand out from the crowd, I think. Uh, my daughter is I don't say brilliant at this she just doesn't mind she kind of got over the hump of speaking to people and she actually really likes public speaking and having conversations she works in a fast food joint in the village and she's lovely with the customers she likes the conversation side of life Um, and she says her mates exactly like you were like oh I don't know how I don't want to put myself forward and you know, I think that'll stand her in really good stead when she goes into the workplace, whatever she chooses to do. So, yeah, you might have bosses who aren't supportive. I mean, I had a boss once who, when I came back from a holiday, went, oh, Penny, this is at the BBC, oh, Penny, you're like the poor. We can't get rid of you. Oh, oh thanks. I feel so welcome. Felt that on me. I can't wait to start work here again. So I didn't feel valued in any way. That wasn't okay. So let me tell you another piece of feedback I had. This is where you have to push past the crapheads in the in world in the world. Um. So anyway, so I'm on the radio. I'm doing well. I've got this journalism job. I'm in personal finance. So although I'm not bang into it, I do happen to know a few things like pensions and mortgages, Mm, and I know my stuff. I get a call one day from Panorama. And Panorama's going, you're a woman, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) You know about pensions, don't you? Yeah. Do you want to present a programme about pensions? Okay, so Panorama, flagship, investigative, serious. I'm presenting it on telly after being on radio all these years. (laughs) Okay, I'm free. I can do it. I said, yes. And then crapped myself all over again basically how would you do this thing no one's going to help you either no one's going to go oh you're amazing the way you looked at camera and spoke just then was just so gorgeous darling no everyone's getting their heads down doing the work cracking on no one's going to pay you a bit of attention so again it was this kind of vulnerability that I felt all over again about how do I do tv and I kept saying to myself I can't do this I then got asked if I would go and do the news channel and do the bulletin, business bulletin, in front of the big markets board on the, you know, rolling news channel. And the big markets board would have the FTSE 100 on it. Um, and I'd say things like the FTSE's up, FTSE's down. In my side my head, I'm going, I can't do this. This is impossible. Auto cue, listening to an earpiece all the time, uh, trying to work out which camera to look at. Um <laughs> Ah, smiling at the same time, you know. Hi, everyone. Good morning. This is the news. Always wondering if the people around me were better, more intelligent, were judging me. So massive amounts of imposter syndrome. syndrome. And, and, you know, naturally so. You're in an environment where you don't feel that you deserve the place. And that is a challenge to watch out for, definitely. Mm. Now, it wasn't helped, again, by somebody who I went to ask for some feedback. This is a really good tip, actually. If you're asking anyone for feedback, make sure you ask the right person for feedback. Make sure you give them a steer on why you want feedback and what you're looking to improve upon. And don't necessarily think of feedback as being that you're going to get reassurance 
that you're all right. Mm. And that's what I was seeking feedback for. I just basically wanted to know that I was looking at the right camera at the right time and smiling in the right way and saying the right things. I just needed someone to put a little hand in the small of my back and go, do you know what, love? You're fabulous. And push me forward up the hill. That's all I wanted. But this idiot line manager looked me up and down. He went, oh, I don't know. I don't know if you're doing the doing this because you know what you're doing or because you're, you're just a bimbo reading the news reading the auto cue oh he went yeah goodness. I suppose I suppose you're doing all right I don't know <sighs> and that was it and it was pre sort of an awareness it was pre hashtag me too you know there was not sort of a strong female voice in in organizations or elsewhere and so I just went Oh, thanks very much. (laughs) (laughs) Nowadays, I'd be like, oh, hang on. (laughs) Mind you, nowadays, I'd go, I am so good at my job. You don't need that. You You don't need to seek validation. You small person. (laughs) Yeah, I am the god of television. No, no. But that was not. I was humble and tiny and felt small. And so, yeah, there's a lot there to unpack to do with confidence and vulnerability and imposter syndrome and qualifications. And the key to this, which I did not have, was being was asking who, and this is a Rachel Haslam phrase, who's on your bus, right? Not literally like your bus that you get to school or work or whatever, not the other people. But if you're driving your bus through life and you look round and there are some people at the back of the bus who are not on your side, who haven't got the flat, you know, the scarves with your name on it, like a supporters bus. bus. And they're not shouting out, go on, penny, penny, <laughs> live, live. <laughs> you know, to get, they need kick, to get off the kick bus. them off yeah. the bus. They don't yeah. need to know they've been kicked off the bus. You don't need to unfriend them. You don't need to do anything, but just mentally have... A boundary. Yeah, a boundary between who's a detractor and who's a supporter and know the distinction. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think if I'd had that at my sleeve, I would have drawn the supporters much closer and relent on them and asked, asked for their support more often. And I would have ignored the detractors and not had such a battle with other people's views of what I do and what I don't do. Because they say in another Rachel Haslamism, you know, <laughs> you become the average of the five people you spend most time with. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be careful and choose those people mm. carefully, both family, friends, mm. work supporters, mm. in different environments, yeah. haven't you? I've got friends who I am no longer friends with, um, who I thought was going to be my, you know, lifelong friends, who I recognised as really liking me when I wasn't that sure of myself. Mm. So it took me a while, penny dropped, haha. Um, <laughs> and, you know, slowly you begin to peel away from people who no longer suit you when you're trying to do bigger and better things yeah. in the world. It probably made them feel better about themselves, that you weren't doing as good and that just made them feel better about their life. Some people are like that, aren't yeah. they? Some people aren't really um, very good at championing others. <laughs> And uh, like to feel like they've got the upper hand. Yeah, for sure. And that's whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult, yeah. you know. It's all sorts of flavours of people come come your way, don't they? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, I know, in, when you first went on the TV, the first time that that camera was in front of you, mm. what was that feeling like? Oh. What, what is it like Sounds in that studio? Scary. Because we only see what mm. we see. Mm. Don't we? Yeah. Um, I think I had a conversation with you at one of the PSA meetings, how I'd been interviewed on the BBC News in this Zoom room, and and then I was channeled in and these questions came at me, and I I came off really quite shell-shocked, I have to be Mm. honest. I really was. I felt every day. (laughs) (laughs) I was the one asking the questions as well. Oh, Penny! (laughs) So, um, let me take you to the time I started on BBC Breakfast. This is my experience. I don't know what other people's experiences of starting on TV were like, but I was a radio person. I'd had a bit of telly experience with Panorama and a bit of the News Channel live stuff. Mm. And I'd limped through. And then I got asked to go on BBC Breakfast. Amazing, right? (laughs) Bright red sofa. Everyone's Every morning, Monday to Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got a lot of makeup on, a lot of boofing of hair, a lot of shoulder pads. At 5am, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> and what time are you there? Like, typical day, what time would you have had to have got there to be ready for that start? So I like to turn up at about um, quarter to five in the morning. So that for me meant getting up at half three in the morning. I'd have to do my own hair because I was business, I was the business journalist, mm-hmm. which mean I only, meant I only had a bit part 
So I do, uh, you know, a bit of headlines, five minute interview slot mm. twice or three times through the course of the day, through the morning. But the main presenters needed their hair doing because they were on for three hours. Um, and so I did my own hair because I was only allowed a few minutes in the makeup chair. Okay. It's like never the bride, always the bridesmaid sort of idea, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> but I was allowed a bit of makeup. So I'd get in, I'd make sure I'd read my notes on the mm-hmm. in the taxi on the way in. I'd get in, the producer would be there, they'd tell me what was going on, what there was expected of me. And then I'd go and get some ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of makeup plastered onto my face. And then at 6am, it was live on air. So to answer your question... Um, and Penny's and Penny with the business news. Red light goes on. Hi, <laughs> oh, <I am> morning, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt it was going in my head. Um, inflation figures out later. <laughs> Actually, what happened was I was pretty good at it straight yeah. off the bat. It was something that I would, you know, that secret packaging away of an ambition just sprang out to life. I was like, I'm talking to the camera. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, and to be honest, Jane, it feels like, you know, when you hire a car in a foreign country mm-hmm. and they're driving on the other side of the road and you probably end up on the motorway by accident and you're going really fast <laughs> and you're like thinking, oh my God, I'm going to crash. That's how it feels. That's how it felt for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a pre-driving experience, like doing something really scary at top yeah. speed, having never done it before. And there's no, um, from your story, I'm guessing that there's no training. There's no one to talk no. to tell you where to look, how to do it. You it's are just literally thrown oh. in. It's assumed that you know. So if you've got to this point, it's a, it was assumed that I knew how to do it. And what I'd done is the couple of days before is I'd shadowed the, the guy who was leaving the job. And I was having this kind of three-month tryout period. And I shadowed him to see what he did. Now, production's very similar in radio than it, yeah. the journalism's very similar, but the where do you stand and where do you look yeah. bit and how do you hand back to the main presenters? So that's inflation. <laughs> uh, Charlie and State and um, uh, whoever, you know, Louise Minchin or, uh, you know. Over to you. Bill, back to you as it was <laughs> in that time. And they'd go, thanks. And it, it was like awkward. <laughs> <laughs> And there's meant to be like this rapport, especially if it's been one of those light stories that the main presenters can get their heads around, like the price of coats is going up. Oh, really? Amazing. Oh, and it is getting wintry, isn't it, Penny? That's right. Oh, God. And then sometimes I had to go on the sofa and I had to do uh, like a newspaper review or what they call... um, Oh, what's it called? Like a not like a two way. That's it. So the main presenter, you'll see this on the news whenever you watch it. The main presenter asks the reporter a question, mm. and then the reporter speaks for about a minute, basically, mm. and yeah. and unpacks the story and says why. And this is the big thing: why is it important that we're talking about it? How widespread is this? Is this going? To, who's this going to affect? Now, with the business news, that's sometimes really hard. Because ultimately, no one really cares about stuff like interest rates going up. Although we do at the moment, yeah. it's cost of living crisis. Yeah. But, you know, share prices going up or, I don't know, just some Price stuff. Price of petrol. Price A lot of people are like, <laughs> no interest to me whatsoever that petrol's gone up a pence. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I'd have to go, oh, it's incredibly important. And this is why <laughs> for a minute. And that always caused me to have a lot of imposter syndrome again, because I would think, who am I to be sitting here with these experienced professionals oh. trying to articulate something that I, you know, I'm kind of interested in, but not that knowledgeable i'm not a geek a personal finance or business geek mm. it's not something i'm passionate about it doesn't it's sit really with not values no. and who i am but i'm delivering and increasingly it didn't and so increasingly i got myself into this position with what i can only describe as kind of negative mindset or fixed mindset i can't do this i can't do it i can't do this i can't look at that camera i can't review these newspaper stories in a minute and talk about them fluently i can't listen to this earpiece i can't do an outside broadcast in a farm talking about price of milk or whatever and walk to the camera and enjoy it but wrapping around that 
I was a single parent. I was living in London. I had a, a lot of overheads, mortgages and a mortgage and you know, council tax to pay on my own. Um, I was getting up in the middle of the night. And so all of that sort of conspired to make me feel quite low and down at a time when I should have been off the ceiling excited about having a job on national television, Because right? you'd gone from there, hadn't you? Yeah. Where Secretary. You, yeah, Clark. Listen to my stuff too. Yeah. Primetime TV. Yeah, yeah. So I should have been like a... Um, you know, cock of the walk sort of thing. And I wasn't, that was the last thing I felt like. Mm. Um, And that piece of feedback I had from that particular editor-manager person about the bimbo comment was the nail in the coffin, really, for me. I was like, I'm not welcome here. I I don't feel like I fit in. I'm not enjoying it. I don't feel welcomed. Um, I certainly don't feel valued. Mm. And that's a really big part of work, actually, Um, whether you're whatever what whatever piece of work you end up doing, whatever job you end up doing, and it doesn't matter what you do, but if you feel like you're valued and recognised for your worth, you don't have to be paid loads, yeah, but no, just not val- always a thank motivator. you, thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah. You've made a difference, even if it's a small difference. And I wasn't getting any of that. I didn't feel like I had any purpose. I, who cares about gold prices? You know, I just don't. I mean, there were exciting things like mm. the recession in Europe after the credit crunch. There was an exciting thing about horse meat, Tesco selling horse meat. Oh, you know, yes, remember? I remember that, so yeah. like juicy scandals like that. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is a good story. Let's like keep this one going. But beyond that, I didn't feel like I had any purpose. So I had this very strange phone call at work again. And it was from a company that I'd been working with a little bit and I'd been helping them do some writing about um, the issue of obesity and the impact it was having on productivity in the UK with people getting ill more often, like with diabetes and uh, backache and, you know, issues around their health, basically. And it was Weight Watchers. So I'd been working with them for a while as a freelancer and they rang me and went, now, we've been working with you for a while and we're not saying you're fat, but would you like to lose some weight? They didn't say that, Liv. Liv looks absolutely shocked. <laughs> She's looking hot. Like, <laughs> no, they said, we've we've noticed. No, <laughs> they didn't say that. They said, um, we'd like to know how you'd feel about being paid to lose weight and be take part in an advertising so campaign. So being an ambassador for them in, in all sense of purpose. I'm li- I was literally like Oprah Winfrey, you know, Weight Watchers celebrity ambassador. <laughs> that year I mean I think the most googled search term about me was who is Penny Haslam like who the hell is she I've never seen her I watch ITV I've never seen the breakfast show she's popped up once or twice I wasn't a celebrity by any stretch of the imagination but alongside Patsy Kensett and the bloke off MasterChef the bald guy oh good qualities yeah <laughs> <laughs> The three of us were the celebs that year and we got to take part in TV ads. And that I said yes to it straight away because it was like a golden ticket out, out of what you were doing. What I was doing in a way that wasn't, oh, I'm, uh, I have failed at telly. I didn't, I didn't have any vision beyond because I wasn't reflecting. Mm. I wasn't journaling. I wasn't taking time for myself. I was totally stressed to the max. Mm. So that, the piece that I missed again was being able to, Think about me and everything. And what did I want? It was too scary to think about that. What do I want to do? I don't know. Telly? I don't know. What else? But honestly, you can't really do that when you're on the hamster wheel as well, can you? Because you're getting up early. You've got a young daughter. You're you're, you're paying the bills. You're on your own. I've been there with Liv. I've been on my own since... Um, I was six months pregnant with her. You know, it's it's that juggling all those balls, isn't it? And and also years ago, we didn't talk about taking time for ourselves. (laughs) Didn't they? That wasn't a thing. I mean, I did yoga once a week and that I felt so guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas this generation think very differently about themselves and the well-being. Yeah. I mean, some people at me like to say something. Well, some <laughs> people say too much. I mean, yeah, they do and they don't. I mean, I've asked Daisy about her feelings. She's like, for goodness sake, could you just stop asking me about how I feel? <laughs> like me. No idea. <laughs> Leave me alone. I want to drink vodka in the park. <laughs> but yeah, they, I mean, there's a lot more awareness generally. And um, 
yeah, her emotional um, vocabulary and ability to identify what she does and does not like in life and what suits her well and what benefits, you know, I don't mean that in a selfish way, but just like a... What serves her and what, what doesn't. What serves her, what gives her energy, what gives her excitement, what doesn't, you know. Um, the job she's got in the fast food place, they feel like she's awesome. They go, thanks so much, you've made a difference. Oh, and here you're going to learn how to fry some chicken now. And she likes learning and she likes being rewarded Mm-hmm. verbally and noticed don't we all yes yeah. absolutely you know? absolutely and it's interesting what you say about that you know we don't do a job long term for the for the valuing of the the money side of it necessarily people aren't motivated necessarily by that it's all those other things mm. you know I talk to teachers week in week out that are leaving the profession and that's not because how the news wants to portray it as being underpaid or what or whatever that's one of the elements but it's under-resourced undervalued not being able to make a difference in the world and make an yeah. impact on young people's lives yeah. so see it firsthand mm. and I understand yeah. what you're what you're saying so from you did the stint with Weight Watchers yes <laughs> got paid to lose weight I mean that's just awesome isn't it and I did need to lose weight I was overweight I my clothes weren't fitting I felt uncomfortable if I'd stopped for a minute and faced it, I would have told you that I had low self-esteem, but I didn't want to admit that. I was too proud mm. and ashamed of that. And it was too upsetting to think that actually I'd made bad choices with partners as well, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd let friends speak to me in a way that I wouldn't normally, which go went so against what you might have seen on the telly. And one of my big passions was trying to get out from under the idea that that just because you see somebody being confident doesn't mean they are feeling confident mm. or anything like that. And I use the word confidence because I think it is an, a, a great umbrella term for anxiety, stress, low mood, depression, um, you know, low self-esteem, lack of self-belief. And it's a really easy thing to talk about. If I was to say, so Liv, how's your anxiety? You'd be like, hey, I've never just met you. I'm not going to talk to you about it. <laughs> but if I said to you, How's your confidence? Are you a confident person? And you'd probably go, well, I come across confidently, but sometimes I don't feel it. Or I'm confident when I uh, cycle a bike, but when I'm swimming, I'm not so confident. So it's a kind of thing that you can do and a thing that you can feel. And so it's an easier thing to have a conversation about. Um, And I think that's where my purpose comes from now. So I didn't feel like I had any purpose or couldn't really add any value to then doing the Weight Watchers thing, which was loads of fun. Um, absolutely brilliant. It worked for you, did it? Worked it worked for me. It gave me new information about how to eat mm-hmm. healthily. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly gave me a new relationship with my body that I'm proud of and I exercise it and I make sure I look after it and give it strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helped me think about what I did next, um, which was to help other people communicate with confidence because I hadn't had it. Mm. I think often you teach what you need to learn mm. or you entrepreneurs set up things I don't know if you've come across people who've set up things because they were wounded by something in the past or they've seen a problem that they want to solve so passionately yeah. it goes much deeper than just like oh, I'm gonna a make business. It, a business mm. I'm gonna make a product mm. and that's what keeps you going when you've done an 18 hour day and you've mm. got to do another one tomorrow or you're emailing at half 11 yeah it's a deep you know. rooted passion yeah. within that within that Hi everyone, we hope you're enjoying this episode so far. We're just cutting in to say, if you're enjoying our podcast, please click the follow button on whichever platform you're listening on. And please leave us a review. We'd be so grateful for your support and feedback. Podcasts are free to listen to, but if you are loving our school-run chats and debates, please consider buying us a virtual coffee. The link will be in the description of every podcast episode, and it will also be in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the school run underscore official and why not give it a follow while you're there so you can see all the updates and get sneak peeks at upcoming episodes thank you so much and happy listening so I suppose you know when it comes to what you would say to your younger self or a younger person what would that bit of advice be I suppose it's about um believing in yourself that self-belief piece is it it's easy to say though Jane and but you can't say to somebody just believe in yourself Mm. and then they they'll do it I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Oh, oh, I thought that. Oh, I'm so happy you said it and mentioned it. I'm just going to believe in myself. It's like when people say, just be yourself. It's like, oh, right. Yeah, no problem. I'll just, how? You know, and it feels awful. So um, 
I think the advice to my younger self, and I'm talking about me in my 20s, would have been stop drinking as much and running. Stop running. I don't mean literally. I mean literally running away from myself. And I say drinking by going out with friends, ha ha ha, having a great time, being sad the next day, but actually powering on and just ignoring the fact that I was sad. Mm-hmm. Not wanting to have difficult feelings was my um, reason for always moving forward. Um, so I think I'd probably want to nail my feet to the floor, give myself a good, not talking to, but a good support and go, you're awesome. You, you're going to be fab. This is all going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Time feels like it's really slipping away from you when you're young and ambitious and that you're not moving fast enough. But actually, you know, God forbid it's not, but generally life's quite long drags sometimes you know and so (laughs) those draggy times are when you need to sort of be in taking them as an opportunity to look after yourself rather than always being frustrated that's what my my problem was I was always driven by ambition but low low self-esteem and never feeling that comfortable moving forward and it is no wonder I had things like burnout acne um often feeling quite ill, flu-like symptoms. Um, then my body was trying to tell me stuff in the in the shortfall between low self-esteem and ambition. I couldn't quite get there, but I left what I was doing. I had a period of change and reset. And finally, you know, found myself doing a job that I love, speaking to people. Did you get the idea that I can speak? Quite? Yeah. <laughs> you see, my mum used to call me Little Miss Chatterbox. Oh, look at you, come on. Miss Chatterbox, stop talking. And now I get paid for it. But they do Uh, say, though, that what you love doing as a child is probably where you need to find yourself in life. Yeah, it's like my my Auntie Hannah, when she was little, she used to clean everything and now she owns a cleaning business. Yeah. Another lady said to her, she said, I used to, she said, look, she talks to young people. She was a teen mentor. And she said, just look at what you enjoyed playing with, how you played as a Mm. child, what you played with, what your thing was. She said, I used to sit with all my dollies and and I was the teacher and they were the pupils, (laughs) you know, and similar chatterbox now. I used to perform. I used to sell tickets to my family and go, come and watch my performance. <laughs> and then I'd do dancing in front of them and they'd be like, oh, please let this be over. I'd be like, no, 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 one more song. So this led you to be um, this period after the change of, of the WW year, etc., um, to being MD of Bit Famous, I take it. And, and now the amazing work that you do with people. Yeah, I mean, I was drawn to... Um, the idea of speaking, I didn't know what that was as a professional speaker. Honestly, it was, I was, I'm often so naive and a bit late to the party on things, but I didn't realise that companies would pay professional speakers to come in and deliver an hour of a talk, a keynote or a whole day workshop based on your ideas. Um, and I started off doing a bit of media training, which was the obvious thing. Um, and then found after that, that actually the, the, the period of time in which you have to communicate when you're on telly mm-hmm. is what? How long do you think that is, Liv? If you're on have it in a TV interview, yeah. on the news, mm-hmm. how long do you think you've got? Like five minutes. Oh, that's a big fat five minutes, that is. It's more like one. Wow. Or uh, maybe if it's pre-recorded, it might be three minutes. If it's on four minutes, if it's on the radio, if mm-hmm. it's on TV, it might be two minutes. No time at all in which to get a me- your message across. Mm-hmm. Same in business. You know, you talk to people and go, what do you do? Well, I help people communicate with confidence and how I do that is blah, 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 blah. When I first started out, I'd speak for Britain about what I did. Anyway, I started realising that those skills and the techniques that I brought to that media training type stuff was applicable in businesses, in organisations, in meetings, when people were taking part in panel discussions. Mm. It was just applicable everywhere having impact and influence without boring the pants off people with what you do. So that then gave me more meaning in my life. So I joined the Professional Speaking Association. Yes. It opened my eyes to what a professional speaker could do, what they could earn. And, and I have to say that I've already used your downstairs, Lou, and all of your awards oh, are there yeah, for your right. speaking oh. because you're an amazing public speaker. Thank you. I really enjoy what I do. And having done a bit of stand-up comedy, because working as a broadcast assistant in a busy live 
show environment wasn't enough for me in my 20s. I had to go and do gigs in the night as well. I was so... <laughs> and cycle everywhere. On it, talk about running away from myself. I really was. <laughs> but yeah, I used to do that. And so I, I adopt a bit of stand-up style, the kind of showing off performery bit into my talks. And so they're funny and entertaining. Mm. And I'm really proud of those awards which is a bit sad, I think, when you're 50, to, like, put your certificates on the wall. No, not no. at all. Do you don't think so? No, absolutely because not. Because I need the evidence mm. for myself yeah. that I'm okay. I don't believe it otherwise. It's weird, uh, isn't it? It's fantastic, and I know I've heard that you've spoken at the BFA, the British Franchising Association. Many of my friends have spoken about it before I even met you yeah, about your right. speeches. I know you've spoken with a friend of ours, Andrea Keady, at her pharmaceutical company. You know, it's... It's just phenomenal, the work that mm. you do there. You've written two books. Yes. <laughs> I've got a third one coming out. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> it's about confidence. Oh, I'm going to buy it. Thank you. Please. <laughs> you might be the only one. But, um, <laughs> the irony of writing a book about confidence is you suddenly go, oh, I don't know if I'm confident enough. <laughs> so, got to get a grip all over again on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh... If, if that hasn't demonstrated to you that life is what we call, I'm going to say it in American terms, journey. <laughs> it's a journey, isn't it? It sure is. It drags sometimes and then it goes fast and then it goes slow. And you can pivot and you can come out of things Ooh. and find who you are through that. It doesn't yeah. have to be all figured out at school, yeah. like we say on the podcast. Has there been any sort of teacher or mentor or coach or someone that's had a really influential part within your life or not really there have been people I wouldn't pin it down to just one person person. and you certainly wouldn't know their names Mm -hmm. you know they're people who are in my close environment so Mm -hmm. at one point when I started in broadcasting in the business journalist office and I was excited and that guy came along and went would you like to read out the mortgage rates to music (laughs) yeah (laughs) would I um I'd say he was one of my mentors there was a presenter there a woman about nine ten years older than me who was nine or ten years progressed in her career Mm -hmm. and the way she carried herself and the way she operated was professional and friendly and smart and I adopted a lot of her, um, I, the ideas around her that, that I didn't copy her. It wasn't like single white female. You know? <laughs> I, I adopted other people's way of doing things that I observed working well and that I liked having. So it became protective coat, really. Mm-hmm. Um, later, when I joined the Professional Speaking Association, I found it to be one of the most supportive, um, pleasant places to be you'd think there'd be like 660 members all being competitive with each other and being massive show-offs <laughs> no 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 let me take the stage no no, no I'm more motivating than you are <laughs> no I'll inspire them you know it's not there are a lot of humble people coaches trainers business owners occasionally there's a show-off speaker there um, but one of those people took me under their wing and went I will mentor you for a year because I recognize that you've got massive talent but you haven't got a clue what you're doing so let's get started I was like I'm so grateful and that was lovely and so I now help other people um with conversations whatever and just I mean for example fees I'm really really transparent about how much I can earn and how much other people should be charging Mm. because I think it benefits everybody to know Mm. that sort of stuff that's the um, level and if you're going to go that's where you need to be yeah. at and you can't wear the cheap suit anymore by the way and you know if you want to this is a professional situation and mm. corporate blue chips which are my company uh, my type of business you know the, the sort of bigger companies mm. are do not want you just showing up looking a bit tatty and not knowing what you're doing you've got to be slick and so I think all of what I've learned and the people I've met along the way through broadcasting and through even doing, you know, the Weight Watchers stuff um, have has all brought me to this moment. And often I work with banks mm-hmm. and, um, you know, finance companies. And that, you know, that going back to being a personal finance journalist where it's just really boring for me. And I remember sitting at the desk producing a radio programme on Radio 4 all about money going, one day there'll be a reason why I'm doing, doing this. Because I'm frankly, this is boring as hell. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> and it 
Turns out there is. And because you're now working with banks and you actually yeah, get what they're doing yeah. every Well, day. I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> they think I do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> every day is a school day. What mm. have you taken away from this episode, Liv? What What has Penny instilled in you as a young person? You always person? ask me this question. Come on, Liv. Think. I know, I'm woman. No, but it's every, <laughs> every episode is like every... I always say everything because it actually is. And people usually say they realise if I don't talk much in a podcast, it's because either I'm not interested or I'm listening too much. I'm not spoken... Not because I wasn't interested. Because you couldn't I, get a word in. Because I, I, <laughs> I was listening too much. No, but it was very interesting because, like I said at the start, which people understand now, I did a speech. My um, old PT, old PT, that's sad for me to say. My PE teacher at high school, he asked me to come in and speak at the sports award in front of like a sports hall full of people. And I was in year 11, so I was used to sitting at the back join all the chairs just yeah like pretending I was listening but I actually chewing gum yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I actually wasn't listening and then I was stood in front of all these people and parents Ooh. and the whole of the senior leadership team like head teacher deputy head assistant head and I was so they're like oh my gosh um but Rachel Haslam helped me write it well yes helped me how I should structure it and what I should do um and I stood up there and underneath I was shaking my grandma said she couldn't tell because I sounded confident yeah I was like oh that that glad because I felt myself going red and like shaking Mm. I was like oh my gosh um when I'd done it I was like really proud of myself that I did it because people think I'm very confident I mean I sound confident on the podcast because they can't see me and I'm just talking in the microphone with uh, listeners. She's actually trembling <laughs> at the moment. Uh, very nervous, biting her nails. No, she's not. She's not. Um, <laughs> and I and I really like talking to people. I used to work in a cafe, kind of like your daughter, and I like that was my favourite part, like having the conversations with the people and talking to them. And like when I'm in a shop or I need help or something, like I talk to people, and some of my friends don't. Yeah. Um, which. You know, and when I did the speak, but I've never done anything like that, like speaking about me. <laughs> oh, that's, the, uh, that's the Spaniel. Um, <laughs> flicking his uh, curly brown ears around, <laughs> tossing his head around to get some attention. <laughs> and snorting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've never done anything like that before. And I was stood there talking about myself for eight mm. minutes, which... I mean, it's hard speaking in front of people. When you're speaking about yourself, I feel like it's even harder because then it's like, are people actually going to like me? Because this is like actually who I am as a person, um, which really scared me because I'm a very people pleaser. I like to please everyone and make them happy. And so I was like, are they going to like me? What if yeah. I'm boring? Like, it's very exposing. Yeah. Very exposing. Um, yeah. But I did it. I was so proud of myself that I did it. I was like, well done. And for the next time, I'll be, I'll be more confident because mm. I'll be like, um, I've done it now, like I've done it before, and I'll say to myself in my head, you know, I, I stood up in front of all those people, a lot of them were teenagers, and teenagers scare me because they're very judgmental. They're also, they do also do like teenager face, which is look you up and down, like, yeah, and it's a very, I mean, I, I, I would speak to chief executives, politicians, but not teenagers. <laughs> because that's just, you know, not sure what you're giving there. Yeah. Exactly. Even though they go, oh my God, it was amazing. It's like, really? Yeah. Do but I you really didn't look you? like you had a good time. <laughs> anyway, Perfect. love them. Um, but yeah, so I was just very happy. And if I do it next time, which I hopefully I will, I'll be, yeah. well, I'll be like, do you know what? I've done it before. I can do it again. Experience. Be- yeah. That's all that is. Just a bit of experience. And noticing what happened in that first experience mm. so the fail the the flaw that i see with people a lot of the time or the challenge that they give themselves is that it's got to be amazing yeah. and when they mean it's got to be amazing they've got to have an audience that relates to them they've got to have eye contact they've got to do amazing jokes they've got to be <laughs> an amazing speaker straight away but as we know it's a journey right so um it's amazing that you love communication mm. with people doing a talk for eight minutes or 80 minutes is a completely different set of skills mm. um that isn't ever going to feel quite as chatty and lovely as yeah. having a chat <laughs> however there are tricks and techniques you can learn to make it okay for yourself mm-hmm. but i say if, if if anything in life i think in general is you'll have an internal internal experience of something that mm. is scary so you will have been shaking, nervous, 
dry mm. mouth in the moment. The night before, you might have been worried about it. You might have slept lightly. The yeah. week before, you would have been panicking, perhaps mm-hmm. thinking, how am I ever going to remember this? Yeah. La, 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 la. And all of that builds to the moment you're behind the lectern on the stage. Yeah. And internally, you're going, oh, my God. Yeah. This is going to go so badly. I can't believe it. Are they bothered? Are they looking at me like I'm weird? I don't know. So yeah, there's an opportunity for a lot of internal mm-hmm. negative voice or challenging voice. The external experience or the external outcome of how you performed is almost not yours to decide. Mm-hmm. It's for the person who you've asked to say, would you give me some feedback afterwards? Or, mum, can you watch the video later and make sure it was okay if yes. she's not there in the room? <laughs> or just ask people for help and support. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes when you're professional, you get marked. You know, people yeah. give feedback scores mm-hmm. on how well you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's for them to say how it went and yeah. whether it was interesting and useful and empowering or motivational yeah. or whatever. So... That's one massive thing I wish I'd known about was don't judge my internal experience of being on telly or Mm -hmm. doing difficult things and think it's the same as what happened externally. It's never the same. It's completely different. Often completely completely different. It really is. Mm. And it's like when we went to the... um, we went to the event, the big event, and I was sat... We Uh, we went to an event called Developing Future Winners, which was with Siri and Botham. At Lordy and Botham, sorry, Mike Brearley, Jamie Peacock, England Rugby, and we were part, the podcast is yeah. part of that, in partnership and with uh, that event for empowering young um, people. One of the things, at the end, Jamie Peacock, he did a whole speech about, um, and he, he said, what what do you take away from it? And mine was be more confident, but like you said, you <laughs> say it, what going to happen? Just be more confident, they'll yeah. be fine, yeah, yeah, all right. Even, even when... Um, the uh, Ian Botham and um, Mike Brealey. Mike Brealey was sat at the front talk, and he said, "Has anyone got any questions?" I had a question, and I was like, I was putting my hand up. The room was like, I don't know, I mean, like fifty people, and I was there, and I was like shaking to put my hand yeah. up, and I was like, all, all, all I'm doing is asking a question, and it was really scaring me. And I was actually supposed, to, we were supposed to do that speech at my school together, and. Um, and online, we were supposed to pre-record it and then it was going to go on the screen because we were supposed to be going to Glasgow. Together. Um, but after I did, um, was nervous, put my hand up, I was like, do you know what, I want to do it in person because it's harder. Because I thought, if it, if it scares me, I feel like I should do it because, you know. Well, another way to puzzle, if it scares you, yeah. run towards it. And so that's what you did. So With scissors to- in your hand. <laughs> On roller skates. Yes, run towards it dangerously. So mum went to Glasgow by herself and I did it in person. And I feel like the reward the reward after was much mm. greater than if I would have just pre-recorded. Because that's easy. It's easy to pre-record. Easy for you. A lot of people would find yeah. that difficult. So, yeah, I think um, that actually comes into another really practical thing, which I... My book about confidence is so practical. It's not just, yeah, be the best you can be. <laughs> Believe in yourself, girl. You know, none of that. It's like, how are you going to do this? Because confidence isn't something you have. Mm. It's something you do. You have to rinse and repeat every day. How's my mindset? How's my skill set? And thinking about your values. I don't mean company values, because you must have some little yeah, voices, values, and beliefs, values yes. and beliefs, yeah. Yep. And we often think of them as being company values or brand values. If we think about the values that we stand for in mm-hmm. ourselves, it makes things like... Oh, the oh, microphone the dog just fell off. just pulled the mic over. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the... Uh, what was I saying? Right, okay. So, your so personal values. Your personal values um, help tide you over difficult times when you're not feeling as confident so um very quickly there was a moment when I discovered I had values which was when I was having to have a conversation with Weight Watchers about an advert that they wanted me to do which was me and Patsy Kensett sitting in a kitchen baking a cake together now that goes against my beliefs that women are people who are in kitchens making cakes it went, it went against everything that I stood for, which was like busy single mum, you know, funny, with a personality. Mm. And I don't know Patsy Kensett. And we were going to sit smugly in her high gloss kitchen going, oh, you can make a cake, Weight Watchers. <laughs> and I thought, no, I'm not doing that. Mm. I'm not doing that ad. But how was I going to say it? And I didn't have the confidence. Because I was working with Saatchi and Saatchi. 
And Weight Watchers, these are massive international, huge yeah, companies. companies. And who was I? Right? <laughs> Penny Aslan. Penny, little Penny. And who is she? No one knows. No one knew. Um, so, but what it was, one of my values is being brave and bold. Mm-hmm. Not confident. I'll just be more confident. But if you can find yourself being brave, mm-hmm. bold, friendly, kind, honest, you know, these are my values. You'll have a different set, mm-hmm. I'm sure. I was able to go, well, do you know what? Um, that's, that feels very old-fashioned to me. Patsy Kensett and I, we're kind of single parents, busy. We'll probably meet for a coffee. How about that as an option for the ad? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I blew the ad world's mind. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Right. Um, and that's what we did. And that superseded. It went over any confidence issues I had because I... I kind of thought oh those are my values that's what I stand for that's what I would stand up for Mm -hmm. and that's really strengthening and that and that's very hard and that hard to do but you led with it yourself and like what you believe when say that in a group of people that believe completely the opposite thing and you're like I don't think that is right or why I believe it (laughs) but if you do strongly think that the world would be a better place for saying something, doing something, helping someone, showing allyship, mm-hmm. speaking out, advocating for somebody, um, making a decision, a conscious choice in your life, then that's going to build your confidence overall generally because you, for whatever that is, have done the right thing. Mm. And if you don't do the right thing or, or don't do anything, that can erode your confidence in my experience. Oh, I wish I'd spoken out. I wish I'd said something. Yeah. Oh, who am I? And it weakened. It would have weakened my feelings about myself so um you say it's a hard thing to do and you're absolutely right um and if I was to say I oh, would just be more confident oh how do I do that values is one of the things that will really power up your confidence for sure so I've got mine written on a post-it in my office not a mouse mat if I haven't printed printed them off on a t-shirt put them on my website it's just for me you know, <laughs> to remember what those to are. Remember mine, what they are my, yeah mine are in my notes section on my on my phone it's <laughs> I, I we've um We've covered the... What are some of your values, Jane? Just... Yeah. My values. Yeah, personal values. Um, my personal values are integrity. Um, uh, to... I'm, a, I'm an educator inside, so when I learn something, I need to share that instantly, and I want to share that with mm. others. Um, passion, in, inspiring, those those are the things so that are inside. If you, um, if you Google values, personal values, there's a dozens and dozens, hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds and, and hundreds. Some will stand out for you and some will just go, what? No, mm-hmm. that's not me. Conviction. I don't know idea what that means, but it might be something like integrity instead. You know, the, mm. so what yeah, stands out? Integrity, loyalty, stands passion, out. inspiration. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Can I just Educator. say that Joey is eating your sock? Yes, we're going, to over, we're going to overlook that. So Penny has two amazing books, a third one on the way. Um, we're going to come to our final question and wrap this up. But I just want to say, if you want to get in touch with Penny, you are a business that's looking for a speaker, coaching, training, in confidence. How do they find you, Penny? Uh, well, you know, the usual search engine kind of things like... <laughs> who is Penny, Penny has Yeah, <laughs> who was that girl off the telly who looked really nervous all the time? Website, social Website, media. Website, yeah. There's Penny Haslam, so I do speaking. But there's also our business, which is called Bit Famous, because I was a bit, a bit famous. famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh anyway. <laughs> it made me laugh too. <laughs> LinkedIn, all the all, all the ways, the Twitter. I actually reached out to the Professional Speakers Association because I'm doing a speech in September and Penny um, very kindly put a little um, link to one of your videos that I signed up to and it's really helped me to shape mm. what I'm going to do and um, so I highly recommend it, get in touch with Penny. Final question, we always say, and my mum always wants us to ask, we haven't really talked about your school days or your school days with Daisy, but... Um, one of your school run memories, is there anything that comes to mind at all of your own school run or your school run with Daisy? Um, my school, I tried to keep school run to a minimum. I realised early on that joining parent-teacher associations, <laughs> being involved in fairs, fates, <laughs> sports days, assemblies, anything like that at primary level was not my bag. And I felt I should be like that. 
but I didn't really feel like I fitted in. <laughs> and I always felt very um, alone in the playground, picking Daisy up. So I would probably skid in very late, having parked the car <laughs> at an angle. Um, and later, when she was in year five, year six, dropping off in the morning, I'd probably slow the car down a bit. open the door push her out jog on because I didn't like it I didn't like school run at all but having said that times when we walked to school were lovely and we'd have little chats and it was time together and uh, we used to walk up a big hill and it used to make us really hot by the time we got to it and we'd call it radiator hill (laughs) so we had a laugh you know but she always expected me to be the last person to be picked to be the last person picked up for which I'm sorry I've got time blindness I, I can only apologize to my daughter for that so those are school run memories a bit they hit go, and miss. They, they go fast though don't they those school years drags they, for me Jane drags for me yeah <laughs> I thought it, mine went yeah I'm you know the next chapter we're looking forward to it and uh what you mean when you don't have to drive me to school absolutely oh, or fantastic. send someone to pick you up <laughs> like time. I used to do your business Jane is going to be powered up beyond measure because you'll get back three hours at least of your 60 hours a month there you go (laughs) there we go thank you so much for joining us on the school run and we'll see you next week thank you so much for listening to another episode of the school run podcast if this is your first time listening please go back and maybe listen to a few other episodes that we've previously recorded there's lots of interesting topics people's different roles and careers we're sharing all of these stories to inspire and empower young people that's our reason why you don't have to have it all figured out at school my co-host Liv is my 15 year old daughter and I just keep telling her her that school is just a small chapter of of life and there's so much out there if you just say yes to those opportunities you don't have to have it figured out at school we're privileged to be having these conversations and we're really thankful to our guests for coming on please would you hit the follow button on the podcast channel that you're listening to us on this will really help us to grow and improve the podcast long term It'd be lovely if you could write us a review on the podcast that you listen to us on and maybe give us a star rating. Lots of people have already bought us a virtual coffee so that we can have some chats and plan the content going forward. The link is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. And as Liv has already told you in the middle of this episode, we do have an Instagram, the school run underscore official, and we also have a LinkedIn showcase page. Would you just share this podcast if you've enjoyed it with one other person today? That would really help us. Thank you so much. Don't forget to click that follow button and we'll see you again next Monday at 6am. <laughs>